This is iUniverse Radio, brought to you by iUniverse, the leading book marketing, editorial services, and supported self-publishing company. iUniverse Radio is your opportunity to hear firsthand from authors about their new books. It's an in-depth discussion about the author's passion about the development of his or her story in their own words. It's an inside look into the characters and the plot and how the story all came together. Here is iUniverse Radio with host Steve Jorgensen. The title of the book, this children's book, Enter the Corn Bunny, The Tooth Fairy Goes on Vacation, Volume 1. And the author is Ibrahim de Oseola, and we call him Gino, and I probably didn't do a good job on your name, Gino, so forgive me, but uh, welcome, welcome to iUniverse Radio. Thank you very much. Thank you for having me. Well, this is going to be uh, quite a tale. Uh, This is a very unique children's book, no pictures or illustrations, this is about imagination, and that's what you're really trying to get these kids to see in their minds. Let me read what you have written, just a few sentences here about your book. Enter the Corn Bunny is a story about the tooth fairy substitute. Every few hundred years, a corn bunny is assigned to assume the tooth fairy's duties while she's on vacation. Bonnie the Corn Bunny has magical powers that enable him to dream surf, fly, become invisible to adults, and to turn a child's tooth into a fantastic journey full of wonder and surprise. I love it. It's <laughs> That sounds like a, a lot of fun. So, Gino, uh, first of all, tell us about yourself and then why you decided to write this kind of a children's book. Well, I was uh, uh, born in the uh... Washington D.C. and uh, I came up in the uh, public school system, and uh, I, I've always been writing. I got in, in, uh, in trouble in elementary school for writing when I was supposed to be doing something else. And, um, and this particular book just uh, literally came to me overnight. I, I written uh, that book in in one night. I just couldn't couldn't get to sleep and just wrote it from beginning to end. Well, you're a uh, poet. You've had a lot of uh, editions of poetry. You've been uh, recognized, Poet of the Year, uh, given uh, International Poetry Hall of Fame. Uh, why do this kind of a book when you've been so successful as a poet? Um, well, there are a lot of issues facing uh, children today. Um, well, some intentionally for, for good, such as uh, Internet and a lot of television and things like that, where uh, the kid is just put on autopilot, more or less, and their uh, imagination uh, is, is not allowed to fully flourish. And um, that's why I decided to do this book, to, to face and take on a lot of children's issues, um, such as uh, everything from bullying, even to childhood cancers, these things, uh, these real adult-like issues that children face, I've noticed in, like, in our cartoons and things like that, they're, they're not addressed. And you're encouraging parents and children to spend more quality time together. That's another purpose of this book? Very much so. Very much so. As a matter of fact, um, in the book, I have uh, purposely put some misspellings in, in the book to 
uh, enable the parents and the children to more or less go on kind of a scavenger hunt to kind of find them and identify them and um, and spend the quality time together. And there's a children's contest of a, a, volve, or a revolving around that. Yes, very much so. Uh, the way that that goes is uh, more or less the parents get with the children, they read the book, and they find all of the... Um, well, the, the parent that find the parent and child that finds the most uh, misspelled words and things of that sort in the book, and draw a picture of what they think the main character should look like. Uh, you know, the the best photo, and the person that finds the most uh, misspellings in there would would win the contest. Let's talk about some of the characters. Uh, of course, uh, the the corn bunny. His name is Boney. Tell us about. Tell us about this uh, corn bunny. Uh, bunny, I, I wouldn't call him exactly a social worker, but he is. <laughs> <laughs> um, but he, um, yeah, he has magical powers. He 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 comes to life, and he can do things like surf in the in a, uh, in a child's dream. He has to he has to get the tooth first of all. That enables him to do all these um, these magical things, and. Um, Rather than what a kid would want, I guess, physically, what he would do is give the kid what they morally and emotionally need. So that, and, and then he would uh, review his journey, and then he would um, uh, talk about it and express the importance and the morals of, of the story. Who else would you deem as, you know, the uh, characters that really stand out along with Boney? Um, there are a few characters. There's, uh, there's, uh, Tommy the Groundhog. There's, uh, Seth the Turtle. And these are kind of, they, they kind of play off one another in, in getting into a little bits of trouble here and there. There's, um, there's, uh, Rosalia, who is like the, um, the, uh, Tooth Fairy, who, who goes on vacation, actually. And Boney keeps in contact with her. At the end of, of you know, every story, he kind of writes her and tells her about about uh, his journey and, and, and kind of what he, he, he's been through. You talk about when you write, you're in full character, you're a child, and you don't like to put page numbers uh, on the story because uh, you put it this way my book ends at the beginning just as the reasons we laugh just as night turns into day just as rivers flow just as life itself uh, explain that yes i think that um a book any book can just sit on a shelf and it's full of wisdom it's full of so much knowledge full of uh, so much but it does nothing unless uh, one reads it, and the moment that you f- complete that book and become, it becomes a part of you. You actually become it, and therefore you take that wisdom, that knowledge, and you embark on your own journey and um, and 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 fit it into your own life. You take what's usable to you, and and make it work for you to kind of restructure your life in the, in the positive direction. And what's not useful to you. Um, just, uh, I guess, simply not used. 
when I when I when I write, I I am in in full character. I just it's like the entire book or poem or whatever I'm writing just comes to me. I mean the the whole thing is just like it's coming so fast that I just can't uh, my my hand can't keep up. You know, so um, <laughs> I think I'm in Writers Anonymous for that right now. <laughs> <laughs> Do, do does the corn bunny or any of the other characters interact with the children at all? Yes, yes. Uh, Bone, Boney interacts with the um, with the children. Um, this this first book is is kind of an introduction. It just touches on uh, uh, introducing the characters, and it, it does go into one very very wonderful story, and. Um, uh, but yeah, the, the 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 characters do come to a point where they interact. I just wanted to use the first book to put a, put out a really great story, and um, and to introduce the characters. Uh, would you like to see this book become an animated cartoon series? Yes, yes, I would. Yes, I would. I think it would re- reach a wi- wider audience uh, in doing so. Uh, some people enjoy reading. Some people uh, enjoy watch- watching on television. You know, so yeah, yeah, I pretty much would. So we're talking about the issues. We're we're talking about again. Give us those issues, like in this first book. What what are the issues addressed? In this particular book, it's it, it speaks of listening versus versus hearing. Okay, and so the importance of uh, listening versus hearing. Now, uh, uh, give us some more thought on that. Well, uh, just like what's around us, we, we tune out things all the time unless I call your attention to, to, to actually listen. Then you can hear everything. You hear traffic going by, you hear the birds singing, you hear whatever. But um, most of us really don't listen, you know, and, and when, when, when our body tells us something, something is wrong with us, you know, we keep on doing whatever it is that we're doing in the, in the wrong direction, whether it's eating bad things or or smoking or something to that, or our parents has told, you know, told us something that we really supposed to have tuned into that we just kind of, we, we, we hear it, but we really don't listen. So this book addresses that. Give us some closing thoughts, Gino. Well, I, I believe that um, Boney's time has come. You know, it, it's, uh, we're at a, at a point where uh, television and internet are, I play a very, very dominant role in in our kids' upbringing, and I believe that um, that this book takes us, this this character takes us back to uh, the traditional ways that we um, that we like to raise our children with that strong moral uh, uh, integrity like upbringing, you know. And, and this uh, character addresses the issues that uh, a lot of people either don't know how to say in a in a in a small, digestible, uh, humorous way, and th- this book addresses that. So, you know, I encourage everyone to go out and, and get it and and uh, answer this contest, and I, I think uh, it's going to be a very, very enjoyable read. I promise you that. And since it's volume one, more to come. Yes. Yes, indeed. So more with the Corn Bunny or others that... Uh, 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 yes, and the in, in the second uh, uh, in the second book, I, I will be uh, introducing the uh, uh, the villain, and 
Tell Live Vision would be his name, actually. <laughs> <laughs> and um, in, in the second book, and uh, I'll be addressing uh, bullying in that book. The title of the book is Enter the Corn Bunny, The Tooth Fairy Goes on Vacation, Volume 1. The author is Ibrahim De Oseola, and uh, we call him Gino. Uh, Gino, tell us how to get your book. Well, you can go online to uh, Enter the Bunny, in, I'm sorry, EnterTheCornBunny.com. Uh, that, that site is currently being uh, work, worked on as we speak. Uh, you can go to uh, Barnes & Noble. Books a Million, AmazonBooks.com. Typically anywhere where you plug in the uh, keyword, answer the corn bunny. Thank you, Gino, for being with us on iUniverse Radio. Uh, Thank you very much. You're listening to iUniverse Radio. We'll be back right after these messages. Ready for the most current feel-good gossip? Then check out Daytime with Donna with your host, Donna Intercastle and sidekick Nina Fry. Every Friday afternoon at 2, 1 central on toginet.com. Donna is a charismatic market-driven entrepreneur who was part of the team that founded iVillage.com, which is the largest content-driven community for women today. Donna and Nina are here to empower you, motivate you, and encourage you in all aspects of your life. It's like Oprah on the radio. Plus, your chance to win great prizes, all the way up to a $500 Visa gift card. For more on Donna Intracasso, check out her website, introinc.com. Then join us for the show, Daytime with Donna, with your host, Donna Intracasso, and sidekick Nina Fry. Friday afternoons at 2, 1 central on toginet.com. Evermore. People have the means to live, but no meaning to live for. These are the words of Dr. Viktor Frankl, the inspiration for the movie Victor and I. That's V-I-K-T-O-R and I, movie.com. And TalkSense Radio, The Meaning Connection, with host Mary Similuka and frequent contributor Alexander Vesley. Friday afternoons at 3, 2 central on toginet.com. More and more people today are discarding their quest for money, possessions, and things, and are instead beginning a serious quest to find meaning in life. Until now, these discussions were historically in the hands of priests, ministers, and scribes, then to philosophers, psychiatrists, and psychologists. Now, these deep discussions are where they should be, in the hands of individuals, on the air, with you. TalkSense Radio, The Meaning Connection, with your host, Mary Similuka, and frequent contributor, Alexander Vesley. Friday afternoons at 3, 2 central on toginet.com. Welcome back to iUniverse Radio with host Steve Jorgensen. The title of the book, The Missing Link on Mary Lincoln. And the author is Angie Snow. And Anne joins us now on iUniverse Radio. Hello, Anne. Hello. How are you today? A great story here. Everyone is going to really get the truth about Mary Lincoln. A lot has been written about her, and you're trying to set the record straight. Uh, Let me read just a couple things that you have written. You say this, This is the story of a first lady. We call the wife of the President of the United States first lady. This lady was the wife of President Lincoln. And, of course, we know Lincoln was our 16th president, but 
everyone doesn't know the truth about his wife, Mary Todd Lincoln. So that's the focus here, to uh, help everyone see her as she truly is, correct? That is right. Um, that's a, a great desire, a great need we have from all even the rumors and things that are going on today. You tell people you're writing about Mary Lincoln and a pop-up and say, oh, didn't you know she was this, she was that? I'm not going to mention all those things. <laughs> and I just think, oh, they just have the wrong idea. And it's maybe my generation when most of these Rumors were coming out, but there's still negative attitudes toward her. You've been working on this book for some time. Yes, I got the interest to write it when I was teaching a fifth grade and saw the lies that the, the fifth graders were getting uh, in library books at school, saying how Lincoln was a melancholy boy born in poverty, and that uh, he mourned over a lost love, which is a big myth. Anyway, read the book and you'll find out why. <laughs> and and uh, and Mary, of course, uh, as you say, you're not going to kind of go into the list of rumors and accusations about her, but this book is about, about both of them, but is most of the focus on Mary? Yes, and... Um, uh, Carl Sandburg wrote a wonderful little blurb that goes on the cover of the first big book that uh, Ruth Painter Randall wrote. Uh, I had, after I had read this, I, I really was reading a lot of books, and mostly was I impressed with the book that Ruth Painter Randall wrote, which is called Mary Lincoln Bar Biography of a Marriage. And it was published by Little Brown and Company. They aren't publishing that anymore. Even the big libraries are running out of those books. It's hard to check one out of a library. But uh, Carl Sandberg said that this book she wrote can stand as the first and the most indispensable book to be read by those seeking to know of the Lincoln couple. And... Uh, it was interesting because, of course, he said that uh, this is just very common for people that are in politics to get, you know, lies told about them and untruths. So <laughs> that that's just, uh, I guess it's true because, we, you know, we do have, when anybody's in politics, they do get a lot of negative rumors going. Sure. And yes. and any, anyway... Well, you've read some he, 50 books about Lincoln. Uh, I have read a lot more than 50 books. Really? Okay. Oh, yes. There are more books have been uh, published about Lincoln than any other famous person. And they're still coming out. They're still coming out. And um, I don't know if you want to get into this yet... Uh, first of all, I'd like to say I think this is a really good time to push this book because it's written for children, but also it, uh, you know, it kind of, um, as the story goes on, it, it appeals to the older people too so that they can be reading to their children because there's so many important facts in this book. 
But, oh, I was going to say, I just read in the paper yesterday that next week, May 7th to the 13th is this year, is Children's Book Week, and they've been having a Children's Book Week every year since 1919. So I thought, oh, this is a good time. I want the children to learn this at at an early age. I don't want them to get involved with some of the other books that are especially written by William Herndon. Well, you have a, a one section say that says uh, Mary Todd attended good schools and was well educated. Now, is that something that was kind of promoted that she wasn't that kind of a person? Uh, they didn't give her credit for. Well, in those days, women didn't really get to go to school as much as as uh, oh they would now, or I guess the men either. But it it explains. In this book, you know, they have, people do not realize that Mary and and Abe had so much in common. So instead of writing chapters, and I made it so concise and tightened the story up, I decided to make comparisons. So the first, it starts out with the log cabin showing where he was born, well, a lot of people were born in log cabins. Since his father went on, you can read and see where he he uh, homesteaded great properties and land. And then it shows that Mary was born in a mansion. And you have to read it. She was actually born where they had slaves. And then it goes on and it compares their lives. And where you got to where you said she was well-educated, then it goes on the next page, and they're on pages facing each other, Abe Lincoln was well-read and well-educated. And it's kind of interesting to know what he did and how he, where he got his education. And it's, and then also it's interesting because his, Mary's father was such a good friend of Henry Clay, who was a speaker in the House of Representatives now, tell in us Congress. About, yeah, tell us about that relationship, uh, Henry Clay and Mary's father. Okay. Uh, she'd known him since she was a young girl because they're in Lexington, Kentucky, where they lived, and he lived in Ashland when he wasn't in uh, in Congress. And Mary's father was one of his best friends, and Mary was very alert and interested in everything, and she'd go with her dad, and she'd even ride up on her own on a white pony that she had that she called Snowball and visit him even when she was like uninvited. But he always greeted her and was nice. And he was spoke against, uh, he was very vocal about his opposition to slavery. And she loved talking to him, and he was saying that all of them should be freed, et cetera. And, she, and people were selling their slaves, and she just couldn't understand that. She thought the ones they had were just like members of their own family. And she really started believing like Henry Clay. Well, anyway, it goes on and tells about when Abe was old enough to leave home and and what he did, and he was a pretty good son because he grew tall early. And, of course, his mother died when he was only nine years old. 
But see, Mary related to that because her mother died when she was only seven years old. And there's and there are comparisons in there about that. And Abraham, and, uh, one of his political idols was Henry Clay. Yes, and when <laughs> he it was his political idol, and so um, after Lincoln left home, he stayed to help his dad because he got a oh he'd moved to a settlement on the north bank of the Sangamon River and. He helped his dad to split, you know, they split rails to make the cabins and they made fences with them and he was really good at that and he was helping his dad get settled. And and he was, um, he was right. He knew everything. Well, I don't know. I'm not going to tell you my book. You've got to read it. it tells <laughs> and, but this is this is a story. This is a love story, isn't it? Uh, Abraham oh, yeah. and, and Mary. They they were kind of like he, before Jackie and John. You know. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. And you know he volunteered and was in the Black Hawk War, and because he was such a good communicator, and people liked him, and he had a good sense of humor. He was elected their captain. And and he did a lot of odd jobs, and for men that owned stores and went broke, he paid their bills, and that's where he got the nickname of Honest Babe. And then he was always interested in doing the right thing, so he got in the state legislature. He was a real leader in the when he was living in Springfield or when he was that's where they moved it after he was there anyway he took a part in the adoption of a plan for a system of railroads and canals and he also led a successful campaign for moving the state capital from Vandalia to Springfield and that's how come he ended up in Springfield he uh, he had uh, been elected to the to the legislature twice, and there was a young man there, uh, an attorney, uh, John Stewart, who encouraged him to uh, you know, to go on and study law. Well, in those days, they had very few law schools, and this explains how men that wanted to be lawyers did. They had to study law in law officers and offices and do things anyway. He just read law from attorneys and associated with them, and they had to pass a test. That's how you you got your degree to be an attorney, mm-hmm. and he did. He passed the test, and he became an attorney. Now he so debated. He decided he... to yeah start his practice in 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 the new state capital, but way before that, when he was just in the legislatures, when. Mary had become old enough to uh, to leave home too. Her and her older sister had gone to Springfield and met uh, the governor's son. Edwards was his last name, and and so he came down and they had this big wedding at their home in Lexington, Kentucky. But then when she became old enough to leave home, see, there's the comparison where. Right. Lincoln's old enough to leave home, and Mary's old enough. So naturally, when she went to Springfield, where her sister and her her husband lived, uh, in those days, you know, you'd take your siblings in to live with you quite often. In those days, 
There were, you know, it wasn't kind of, and she, her older sister had lived with her and met this man who was a great, they'll have to read the book. Anyway, and when she was living there, of course, she came, here's a new girl, a new beautiful girl, and all the young men were interested in her, and even Lincoln, and it tells about it, this dance, when he was just dying to meet her, I guess, and he <laughs> goes up and he says, Miss Todd, I want to dance with you in the worst way. <laughs> it's a cute little story. That is. But, and I, we, we've just got a, a couple minutes left here, and I wanted to bring out also a famous name uh, in that time, Stephen Douglas, who debated Lincoln many times and favored slavery. He always defended slavery now. But what's interesting to me is that he was real interested in Mary. At one time, he was, and uh, Mary chose Lincoln over him. But read the book, and it tells about <laughs> how Lincoln became really a name from debating Douglas, and they were both ready to be senator, and and uh, Douglas won that. But it, people knew about Lincoln. That's why they wanted somebody to stop slavery, and everybody got him. Right, but. He married Mary, so, you know, even against the first her family thought, oh, Lincoln wasn't good enough for her. her. sister thought she was responsible. And they broke up for a while, and they made a lot of dumb stories about that, about Lincoln pining. Well, both Mary and, and Abe were unhappy until a friend got them back together, and they got married again. And it tells about their, their marriage. It's a sweet wonderful thing they were so much in love and uh, he's written and it's quoted in a lot of books i was attracted to her at once and they had so much in common they both read a lot of the same books they talked and when she found out that abraham's lincoln was henry clay that really set things off for her <laughs> well, this is a short book uh, in big print, as you say, and can be read to and by school children in less, to- less time than it takes to watch a TV show. So it has a lot of facts in it, and you can learn the truth about one of the most controversial women in American history, the never-to-be-forgotten story of her life with Abraham Lincoln, Mary Todd Lincoln, and uh, G. Snow is the author in the title of the book, The Missing Link on Mary Lincoln. And tell us how to get your book. You can buy it uh, on the Internet uh, through um, www. You can get it on iUniverse, uh, it says in the book. And also you can get it on from um uh, Amazon Books and uh, B Barnes and Noble, just www.bn. Uh, oh, I've got it somewhere. Sure, <laughs> oh, I no problem. No I was problem. going to have it for yeah, Barnes you, and but. Noble. That's no problem. People can go there, or they can walk in the store and order it. So, and we thank you for being with us, being with us on iUniverse Radio. Thank you so much. Oh, you're welcome. And just know this is one of the most wonderful love stories in American history. You're listening to iUniverse Radio. We'll be back right after these messages.
Okay, we will. We're going to teach you how to tell your money where to go. It's Intelligent Investing with Pam Otten on Toginet. Learn how to be a savvy investor from someone who has your best interest at heart. Pam Otten is a financial advisor who loves to help successful business owners and entrepreneurs understand the mysteries of the investment world. And she's not afraid to share that knowledge. Pam is an unashamed Christian and qualified kingdom advisor, which means she's trained and committed to integrating biblical principles into her financial advice. Pam believes investing isn't rocket science. This is the financial advisor who's in your corner and truly understands and cares about you and helping you achieve your goals. Securities and advisory services are offered through LPL Financial, member FINRA, SIPC. It's Intelligent Investing with Pam Otten on Toginet. Hey, moms, juggle your hats with our mom of many hats, Angie Mazzillo. Friday afternoons at 5 Eastern, 4 Central on the Mom to Mom Network. Moms are always juggling their hats. And sometimes it's easy for moms to forget their value when life calls for switching from role to role. But the ability to juggle so many hats is priceless. She is never just a mom. She's a decision maker, coordinator, creative genius, counselor, a friend, an authority, and a leader in her household. On Mom of Many Hats Radio, we'll be talking about the hats that you as a mom juggle. We'll acknowledge your importance and support in helping you and all moms to not just defend your value, but to believe in your value. For more on the show and Angie, check out her website, azmamamanyhats.com. She is a strong woman. She is powerful. She is wonderful. And she is valuable. Mom of Many Hats with Angie Mazzillo. Friday afternoons at 5 Eastern, 4 Central on the Mom to Mom Network. Welcome back to iUniverse Radio with host Steve Jorgensen. The title of the book Healing for the Soul. And the author is Beverly Anderson, and Beverly joins us now on iUniverse Radio. Hello, Beverly. Hi, Steve. Hi, how are you? This is going to be an in-depth, I guess, uh, inward uh, analysis, uh, evaluation of ourselves, of how we can heal our soul Boy, all of us need that to some degree or another. Uh, Let me read what you have written about your book. This book is dedicated to the individual who is trying to find himself, or obviously herself, getting to know that he is connected to his source. This can only be accessed after the death of the self, also classified as the ego, this can be a painful process, but it's possible. And after the, after the rebirth, cut the cords of attachment and able to access the hidden information from the subconscious, thus becoming free to accomplish divine purpose. That is so well said and packed with all kinds of talking points right there. Uh, Beverly, uh, tell us about yourself and why you decided to publish this book. Um, Well, I should say I have been, I owned a spa, the Tree of Life Beauty Spa, and um, somehow I had been doing everything else. Um, People have have had lots of recovery, lots of healings, and um, it brought me to this point, like after a while, I realized that I was not feeling fulfilled inside. I was giving, people was getting all good results and they were all happy 
coming from healing from their own stresses. And I got to the point that I found that I felt a little bit stagnated. And um, I started searching outside. I was involved in church, doing everything else, um, giving to others, and I found out that I had a void. And um, I went to a conference, and while I was there, you know, just God unctioned someone, the minister who was talking, and he took me out and he spoke to me, and he, he, hadn't, he didn't know me because this was in the United States. And he spoke to me because I was looking for a word from God or something to come to some closure to bring me, where do I go from here? And he said to me, Beverly, I think God wants you to either close the business or have someone run it. And that was like my baby. And I'm saying, I came back and I thought about it, and that took me a long, hard decision. I, was, I found that I was attracting um, a certain kind of clientele, not realizing that I needed healing myself. It's like I was a wounded healer. And um, it took me a while, but then I decided, I realized I started seeking God's, you know, direction. And I, when I realized, I said, I realized that I had to close the business. So I closed the business and I started spending, giving myself more time, more attention. And I realized that I had to start doing my own inner work, my own inner healing. It's like I gave everything out and I was on empty. And I, that's when I realized I need to have my batteries recharged. So I started doing my own inner work. You know, it sent me on a search. And I, a, a whole prayer, fasting, seeking God. And um, then I realized I was unctioned to dialogue, start dialoguing. When I started doing this, I had no idea I was going to write a book. It just started writing what I felt inside, what was happening. And after a while, it took me a, a good while before realizing that I had to, it came to me very strong that I need to start these information that I've been dialoguing, they're not my own, and I have to get it out there to whoever needs it. It's not mine to hold on to. So I started doing that, and then I, I said, I have no idea how to write a book. Then I started re write, looking through the stuff and, you know, just putting the information down. And after I started, then I realized, I said, how do I write a book? And then it came to me and said, um, you know what? Just write them in short stories because just like you were busy, everyone else is too busy and they have no time for themselves. So just get to the point. Just make the message just direct. So if you have 15 minutes or 10 minutes, you know, it could help them to walk their own journey. Maybe they are at the same spot where you are and they'll need to know how to get out of it. And that's how I did it.
And so your book has how many messages would you say these uh, uh what would what do you call them? What kind of messages are these? How, how would you describe them? Well, I would describe them as, um, to me, they're just nuggets. They're just healing nuggets. <laughs> because they don't take very long to read. No, they don't take very long to read. But it's to connect, because sometimes people will read it, and you read it, but you don't actually get it. Sometimes you'll have to go back through it and until it's processed to really get the message directly and depends where you're at in your life. Well, why don't we uh, uh, give an example of these messages? Uh, that's the best way I can describe them. These healing messages, these thought-provoking messages, these inward analysis messages. Uh, why don't you... Uh, read a couple, and, and then we'll talk some more about some different principles that you're advancing. Sure. I could go from the first one. Okay. Solace in solitude, it's called. Empty, enraged, trapped, and abandoned, seeking something, something so rare, precious, denied. Help, help, help. Can you help me? I'm in search of that special something. Only I noticed no one can help. Finally away from everyone I thought could help. Reached out and grabbed the solace of the soul. A priceless treasure I will not let go. More precious than diamond or pearl. Price beyond compare. I will not trade it for another. Embraced with love I held on so tight. A most precious treasure. So rare and denied. Why? 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 So much torture to get to the soul. Friends must be lost. And flesh has to die. Never give up life's passion so dare. Unlock the mind. Try to unwind. There you'll find life's treasure in time. Very good. Very good. Uh, your themes throughout these messages, these uh, treatments, healing, transformation, growth, how did you uh, how did you select these different uh, topics? Because uh, you have, you know, everything from life's journey, joy, a defining moment, love, faith, passion, delight, marriage, freedom, dreams, soulmate. I mean, I don't know how many there are. How many are there uh, in the book? I think there's about fifty. Fifty. Yeah. So how how did you approach this? How did you come up with these uh, uh, these different topics? These were different level, different stages of my own journey. Wow. Okay. Yes. So you're sharing your own personal journey of healing your soul. That's right. That's right. 
because most of us, we really do uh, carry a lot of similar uh, struggles, challenges, problems. We're human. That's right. But we tend to forget that we are not, we're not flesh. We're just spirit beings. And the fleshly part of us is just a house. And we tend to get attached and not, we're no longer free-spirited because of the baggages that we have, the attachments. One of your first uh, messages, your talking points, building a relationship with God. So th is that one of the foundational principles? That's right. There's no foundation. You cannot get anywhere because, to be frank, as I just said, we are spirit beings. And we're made in the likeness and image of God in his own creation. And we disconnect from the source from which we come and um, seek to find happiness outside. And there's no happiness. You cannot find happiness. He, as in Genesis, he said, he made everything good, but he still made us with a void. And that void is for him. It's only he who can fill it. And until we come to that place and that reality, and so we can have that reality check to find, oh, we're looking for this in a mate. We're looking for this in a spouse. We're looking for this in, um, in things that we get involved with, things that we do. And there will never be that fulfillment until we actually come back to the origin of who we are and to know who we are and the greatness that lies within us. Another part of this you call letting go. That's right, which I would classify as letting God. Letting go of your human self. Let God. So these different messages, these different... Uh, uh, I guess it's it's kind of like a autobiography of you sharing with your healing. And so like you said, uh, this is based on your experiences. So since we're all human and have to get, you know, try to focus away from ourselves. That's uh, right. How does a person I mean, how important it is then to focus on these messages? It is important to focus on these messages because um, where you are in your life, if you're not following that path of fulfillment, then you're, you have never lived at all. If you have never, um, or when you're gone, what's your purpose here? What did you do here? Have I, well, did, I, did I leave a landmark? Or what's my landmark? What's my signature? We all have different... Um, I would call it, we all have different um, fingerprints. There's no two that's alike. So what's your signature? And to find that at some point in your life, um, you're going to get to this point of unhappiness. So why not just start living where you are? We've got a couple of minutes left, Beverly. You say healing begins with God, which you've been talking about, because healing comes through him. That's right. But there's this one important aspect individually. You say, but 
God needs our permission. So it's our choice. That's right. It's either he has given us free will. He does not impose on us what we don't want. Um, He gives us free will to choose. There's abundance in the world. There's abundance in the universe. And he wants us all to have it. He's, He's not... Um, He doesn't prefer one more than the other. He loves us all equally. But he wants us to choose, to choose if we want to have a good life. There is, you know, if we want to have um, destined for greatness, then there are some, some deep thinking and deep processing that we have to do with ourselves. We have to go through sometimes, I call it boiling point. (laughs) It's like gold. Gold is purified and go through fire. It's, you know, whatever we get attached to, letting go sometimes, it's so difficult. And then we go through this process of different levels of of temperature, (laughs) you know, to be purified and to be made whole and perfect. Other titles of these messages, uh, just give a few, Grace, Sundance, Sanctity, Free to Be. Uh, the right. roadmap, uh, identity, friendship, uh, strength and adversity, That's indulgence right. of nativity, heart secret, thank you, Twilight Hill. Well, these are fascinating. Very good, Beverly. The title of the book, Healing for the Soul, Beverly Anderson. She is the author and the writer and the thinker and the uh, just sharing with us her experiences of how she has healed her soul, and it still may be this journey she's on. Uh, Beverly, tell us how to get your book. Well, it could be, you could get it through the iUniverse website, and there's a website I have for healingforthesoul.ca. The Knowledge Bookstore also in Brampton would be carrying this book. So it could be had, and I think it could, it's, it's available through most leading bookstores. It could be ordered through them. The Chapters, Indigo, all of these. Very good. Well, thank you so much, Beverly, for being with us on iUniverse Radio. Thank you so much. iUniverse Radio is brought to you by iUniverse, the leading book marketing, editorial services, and supported self-publishing company iUniverse Radio is produced by Toginet Radio. Radio with a cutting edge.